right. Good morning, everybody. My name is Alec Brunson. It is a joy and a privilege to get to be here with you in Jersey Village. I serve as our pastor in Conroe at our Conroe campus, uh, far, far up north. So I made the trek down this morning, and it is an honor, again, and a privilege to be here. And um, last time I was with you was back in the Ten Commandments series that we did last year, and I made this joke then, but maybe I can recycle it. Uh, you know, it's always a... Um, it's always... Uh, how do you say, like, uh, it's always heavy, uh, and, and, uh, and, and it's an honor to uh, preach the word of God to the people of God, so there's always a little bit of extra, you know, there's something going on there that there's a burden uh, to, to honor the Lord, uh, and so I, I feel that uh, joining you this morning, but there's always just a little bit extra pressure covering the pulpit of uh, Pastor Avery Lamal, uh, because you wake up in the morning, uh, yeah, he's a great preacher, but you think, what am I going to wear? in order to live up <laughs> to, to, uh, to covering Pastor Avery. So anyway, um, it is, uh, again, it's a, it's a joy to be here. And we're in this, this series of, um, oh, by the way, I just have to tell you, we have a two-week-old newborn baby girl at home. So my heart is just full. And uh, so it's, uh, w- the Lord has been very good to us uh, recently. And so we've got an almost two-year-old boy and a, and a little baby girl um, that's here. So my, my heart is full. I might just start crying randomly. I don't know. I, it's, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But but uh, we, we've been in this series in the, in the Old Testament. I, I've loved it. Looking back at some of these um, stories that maybe we know. If you grew up in church, these are all stories that, that you've heard that, uh, you know, you grew up uh, hearing in Sunday school and VBS. These are always the ones that we kind of look at, these big stories throughout the Old Testament. You know, Jonah and the whale, Daniel and the lion's den, the story of uh, Esther and Mordecai and all, all these really cool stories. And today I sort of cheated and I picked like the epic story of all epics stories, and it is the story of the Exodus, the Exodus. And uh, of course, this is the, the moments where um, the, the people of God are, are enslaved in the land of Egypt. They are, they are slave. Pharaoh is a, is a vicious taskmaster, and God miraculously rescues his people out of slavery. And uh, along the way, he splits the Red Sea. The people walk through on the dry land, and, uh, and it's amazing. Oh, yeah, in the meantime, we go through these 10 plagues. Uh, you know, there's, there's frogs and the gnats, and the, and the water turns to blood. I mean, there are so many epic moments when it comes to the story of the Exodus. You know, they're, they're very familiar to us. And of course, if I started singing to you, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, then my people, go, you know, this, yeah, um, it's a, a, a classic, you know, totally ripped off from the 1957 classic by the Kingsman called Louie Louie, uh, but uh, we won't go there. And, um, but but the, the events of the Exodus, very well known to us. Very well known to us, and um, there's sparked a, a lot of a lot of songs and a lot of books and a lot of movies when it comes to uh, when it comes to the events around the Exodus. Take the Red Sea, for example. It would be uh, very it would be a great application for us if we looked at that Red Sea moment where uh, the the people of God, Israel, they they come to the sea and they can hear the, the 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 Egyptians and the chariots coming down toward them. They're angry. They they come to to, to capture them back, and in this moment that. Israel has a choice. Are they going to trust God or are they going to, to, uh, to surrender to, to Egypt? And then God parts the Red Sea. And we might be able to make an application there and say, yeah, 
Uh, for us today, because God split the, the, the sea and the people got to walk through on dry land, because that happened, you and I can face whatever we're going through today because God can split the sea and he can work miracles in your life. You know? that, that would be a, a good and a fine application. But what I want us to do today is to look at these events around the Exodus and the Red Sea in particular and, and what God did in sort of this pattern it's like a blueprint or think of it like a, a playbook or, or something where, where th- this is sort of the play that God runs. And then what we're going to see is that God runs this same play just with different characters later. What he does in the events and the, the pattern or the blueprint or the play of the Exodus is the, the same type of thing that he does for you and I today. Do you know... Uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, seen or heard of any of the 30 for 30 ESPN documentaries that they did uh, where they, you know, the different documentaries, which I, which I really like, they take different, a different story in sports and, uh, and they, they kind of give you the, the real scoop behind what really happened. And the advertising around these 30 for 30, com- the commercials, the advertising around them would always do something like this. They would start with this, which I think is brilliant. Um, they, they start with, um, what if I told you that, you know, and then fill in the blank with whatever, whatever the story is. Like, we're going to give you the real scoop. Like, what if I told you that, uh, you know, Michael Jordan wasn't the greatest of all time? Or, you know, whatever the, the story is that they're going to uncover and that they're going to tell. And so today, that's what I want us to do with the Exodus. So I want to start off. What, what if I told you that the Exodus story was you and I's story in Christ? What if I told you there was more to the Exodus story than what you might uh, assume or know? So that's what I want to do today. So the point of the sermon, I'm going to give you the point of the sermon. This is what I do. I don't like a ton of stuff in the screens. just want to tell you what the main point is, and then we can follow along with the scripture as well. Here's the idea of the sermon. God rescues his people from slavery by his servant and guides them to the promised land. That's what we see is true. God rescued his people from slavery um, by his servant and guides them to the promised land. And what we see in the events of the Exodus, you could put this sentence in past tense, that God rescued his people from slavery by his servant and guided them to the promised land. But what we can do for you and I today in Christ, for those of us who are trusting in Jesus, we could take this sentence and make it present tense, that God rescues his people from slavery by his servant Jesus and guides us to the promised land. You see, what God did in the Exodus, those events, is what he does for you and I in Christ today. And these are, the, the Exodus is one of several storylines or themes that we could trace throughout the storyline of Scripture. Some have even called Exodus the, the storyline of Scripture. Some scholars have said that the Exodus is the only thing that happens in the Bible. That might be a little hyperbolic, but you see that this pattern happens over and over again. It's like um, an overture in a piece of music. You know, that kind of, that first chord that gets struck at the beginning of a piece. That then it, it gets struck over and over and over again that clues us in on what's happening. And that's like what the Exodus does and is in Scripture. What happens over and over again in Scripture, what we see is that God's people are exiled and separated from him. And when we are separated from God, think of Adam and Eve when they first sinned. They are separated from the presence of God. They are therefore in exile. They are now in slavery to their sin. They are spiritually dead. 
But what happens? God makes a way for them to be in his presence again. He does this in the calling of Abram, if we're just thinking the first time it happens. Adam and Eve separated from from God because of their sin. Um, God makes a way through the calling of Abram to be restored to his presence, and then God leads his people back to his presence. This is what happens in the events of the Exodus, where the people are enslaved in Egypt, and they um, are then called, he raises up his servant Moses to rescue his people, pull them out of slavery, and then God then leads them and guides them to the promised land of his presence in Canaan. And for you and I today, what happens is that you and I are all slaves to sin. Naturally, born outside of Christ, we are enslaved. And this is our biggest need is to have our sins forgiven because we are born sinful and therefore we are born in exile from God. We are not in his presence. We do not, we are not united to him by faith. We are away from his presence. And what we need most is to be rescued by his servant and to be restored into the presence of God, to have a right relationship, to be brought out of exile, to be brought out of slavery to our sin by Jesus and to be united with him by faith and, by faith, and then to have God lead us to his presence which ultimately for us might be the end of our lives where we get to be with him in heaven or if Jesus returns and, uh, and, and inaugurates the new heavens and the new earth where he is with us forever. So this story is you and I's story in Christ. It is a blueprint, right? It is a, it is a blueprint or it is the play that God runs. So let's look at the specific connections. And I've already given you sort of the outline, but what we see is that the people of Israel, the people of God in the Old Testament were slaves to Egypt. They were enslaved in Egypt. And this could be representative of our slavery and our bondage to sin, our spiritual death. And for you and I today, we are all, apart from Christ, slaves to sin. We are all enslaved to sin and therefore spiritually dead. Um, Jesus speaks of this when he spoke to the Jews in John 8, 34. You might uh, know this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin, so if you sin, you are a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So we are all, um, because we sin, we are enslaved to sin. We need to be set free. Paul makes a similar argument in Romans 6, where he says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So what happens uh, when we trust in Jesus, our old self is crucified and therefore we are no longer enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. So if you trust in Jesus this morning, if you've, if you've um, thrown yourself upon him in faith, you are now set free from sin. And again, don't, don't get it wrong. Um, this is your biggest need in your life, to have your sins set free. It's not your situation and your circumstances. I've heard somebody say that um, Israel's greatest problem was not that they were in Egypt. It was that they didn't have the presence of God. They were um, slaves to sin, and the same is true for you and I today. Your biggest problem, or the biggest problems in your life or in the people in the lives of people you know, is not their situations or their circumstances, primarily, though that might um, be a problem. It is that they are uh, born sinful. They are enslaved to sin. This is our biggest problem. And what we need then is to be united to Christ in faith, to be rescued by a Savior. And what we need is to be delivered, to be saved, to be rescued by a better Moses, who we know as Jesus. 
So I wonder, are you living in sin, separated from God? And I would urge you today to trust in Jesus, to be transferred from this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, because it is a far better kingdom filled with life, abundant life, and freedom from slavery to sin. But that's the first point of connection, that we are all slaves that need to be set free. The next point of connection in the, in the blueprint, you know, the, the exodus and, uh, event in, in our uh, story is that um, we need to be rescued. God rescues his people through his servant. God rescues his people through his servant. Obviously, in the story of the exodus, it is Moses who is raised up and, uh, and leads the people out of slavery and into the presence of God. But Jesus, as the author of Hebrews makes clear, Jesus is the true and better Moses who um, stands in the gap between, uh, between God and man and mediates a covenant that, that unites us to God, that brings us back into fellowship with him. You see, this teaches us that we cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own and in our own strength. We can never work our way into a relationship with God. We need somebody else to do it for us. We need to be rescued because that's what it means to be spiritually dead. We cannot bring ourselves to life. We need to be brought to life by another. We need to be rescued by God's servant, Jesus Christ. So um, Moses also knew this to be true. In Deuteronomy 18, 15, Moses said this, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, and it is to him you shall listen. We understand this now to be the person of Jesus who has rescued God's people from our slavery to sin. And what we do now is we listen and respond to Jesus, who is the suffering servant of God, who is the second person of the Trinity, true God of true God, who took on human flesh, took on the form of a servant and gave his life, was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross for you and I, so that we might be set free from our slavery to sin. If you trust in Jesus this morning, this is your story. To be um, led back to God's presence by Jesus. To have a new life. To have hope. To have direction. Because that's what it is to to be in exile. to, To not trust in Jesus to save and to not be following him actively is to be lost. It is to be wandering around in exile. To be wandering in the wilderness like Israel. Like they, they, they don't have any, any direction, they don't have any hope, they don't have any peace, right? Um, and, and that is the same for you and I today and anybody we know that is not trusting in Jesus to save and following him and being obedient to him in his word, they're wandering, they're lost because all we like sheep have gone astray. There, there's no direction, there's no, there's no life, there's no peace there to be found outside of Jesus. It is only in Christ, the Redeemer, the, the one who we need to rescue us, it is only there that true life and peace and happiness is found. And it is only there that we can be freed from our slavery to sin. He breaks those chains and he sets us free. And that is good news for you and I today. So what we see, God rescued his people, Israel from slavery, by his servant Moses. But now for you and I today, following the same blueprint, running the same play, is that God rescues his people, us, the church, from slavery to sin by his servant Jesus. So do you see what's happening? It's, it's, the same, uh, it's the same play, just with different people, different characters, and you and I get to be involved in it. Now there's one event 
in the whole Exodus account that I want to zero in on. And it is this moment of the seas splitting and the people walking through on the dry land. Splitting of the Red Sea, very um, uh, important and a, and a huge moment in the life of the people of God. And here's the connection. Here's the blueprint. Is that, uh, here, here's the play that, that God ran. God saves his people through a water event. All right. Now, if we think about in the life of the church today, what is a water event that you and I go through that marks us out as the people of God? Actually, we just saw it today. Micah testified to all of us this morning that he is a part of the people of God, that he is no longer um, living in sin, but his, his old ways are, are now gone, dead, buried under the water, and he has been raised to walk in newness of life, as Paul has argued. So God rescues, he saves his people, he marks us out through a water event. Now, obviously it's not a one-to-one perfect correlation between the Red Sea and our baptism, but the idea, the, the kind of blueprint, the schematic is the same, where we, we get to go through the water and come out different on the other side. That's what happens in our baptism. Now, of course, the people, as they're crossing the Red Sea, when I preached this in Connor, somebody came up and was like, yeah, but the people didn't get wet. I'm like, that is very true. So there is a difference there. Now, how cool would it be if we had the ability to like separate the baptistry waters and for us to like walk through it symbolically, you know, but that just, it's not going to work. We don't really have that power, but we do, we are, um, become a, a part of the new people through our baptism. So when God rescues us, we go through the water to become a part of the people of God. We pass through the waters of baptism, right? And the result, the crossing of the Red Sea, it's recorded in Exodus chapter 14, verses 30 and 31. Let's kind of skip ahead just a little bit. Um, the result of when the people walk through the, the Red Sea is this, 14, 30, and 31. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Okay. So what we see is the result of Israel, the people of God passing through the Red Sea, is that um, they pass through the waters and then their enslavers are dead on the seashore. And the result is the people believed and feared in the Lord and, and believed and trusted in Moses. Now, very similarly, again, think, what is the result of our baptism? Well, recorded in, in Romans 6, 3, and 4, says this, All of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So in our baptism, our slavery to sin is killed. We can symbolically look back at our waters of baptism and say, that, that was when I was no longer enslaved to sin. In the same way that the people of Israel can look back and say, Egypt, my enslaver, they're dead and washed up on the shore. In the same way, our sin was dead and washed up in the waters of our baptism. It's a powerful um, moment and, and a symbol for us to show what has happened when we go through the waters of baptism and plunge our sin down and it is dead and gone and we are raised to walk in newness of life, freedom, free from our slavery to sin. So God makes us a people through a water event, just like he did with the people in the Red Sea. Pretty cool, right? <clears throat> sure. 
God doesn't want you to be afraid in life because he can split the sea in true. That's true. That's very true. But do you see what's happening here with the play that God is running, the blueprint, the storyline of Scripture? Not only does God not want you to be afraid of that test you have coming up or that big meeting or that business deal that's going to, yeah, yeah, don't be afraid because God can split the sea in two. But let's see, let's see something uh, deeper and maybe more foundational here in the, in the life of, in, in the story of the Exodus. God wants you to, God wants you to see that you are a part of this glorious new covenant people who have been rescued by Jesus, who have been set free from your slavery to sin. You, you can look back and see that your chains are broken. You can walk in freedom. You can see that you are united to him by faith. You've been restored to the presence of God and he will be with you always until he returns. That's what we see. That's what we learn from the story of the Exodus that is you and I's story today. God is also, the final part, God is also guiding us to the promised land. God's guiding us to the promised land. In the Exodus event, the promised land is obviously that chunk of land that we know as Israel today. That was the promised land promised to be flowing with milk and honey. But in a similar way, for you and I today, the, the promised land is the, the presence of God uh, fully and finally, which we know of as heaven or the new heavens and the new earth one day where we will dwell with God, where he will be our God and, and we will be his people and we will dwell with him forever, as Revelation says. That's the end goal. That's the end. That, that's where we are headed. But we're somewhere between here and there, aren't we? We're sort of in the in-between. We, we have been rescued by Jesus. We've been set free from our slavery to sin and we're on our way and God is guiding us to the promised land, but we're not there yet. We, we are somewhere along the way. And what we see, there are, there are a few things that we see in this Exodus story that I want to show you in Scripture that are still true for you and I today as we are heading toward the promised land of the full uh, bodily presence of Jesus himself. Along the way, there are some things that are still true. The first is this. He is with us. He's with us. He is with us along the way to the promised land. Look in Exodus 13, verses 21 and 22. Here, here's how God was with the people of God after he rescued them. And the Lord went before them. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So when God rescued his people in the Exodus event, he was with them along the way. And the same is true for you and I today. He is with us along the way to the promised land. Even when you go through the most difficult and trying moments of your life, you can rest assured that he is with you. He is with you. You know, I often think when, when we're going through difficult times, one of the things that we, that we say, you know, is, um, you know, God is sovereign and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, when we're going through suffering and we're going through pain, one of the things that we can say to comfort us is, you know, you can make it through. God has a plan and, and the plan is somewhere down there. You know, you're going to be able to get through this and look back and see what he was doing someday. But that to me is only like 50% comforting. There's another 50% that is actually um, probably more comforting that the reality is that not only does he have a plan and not only is he doing something and not only is he working and taking us somewhere, but he's with us along the way. 
That's where the comfort really is. When you go through the difficult moments in life, when you're in the hospital bed or you're with somebody in the hospital or you're separated from them or whatever tragedy and difficulty you go through in this life, yes, God has a plan, but the real comfort and and truth for us is found in the fact that he is with us along the way. Every step. And this is what we see in the Exodus. He was with them. And we see this is true for you and I today in Christ. In Matthew 28, of course, Jesus tells his disciples, I will be with you always until the end of the age. But he also says in John 16 that when the helper comes, it would be better for him to go away so that the helper would come. And then when the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, it says he will guide you into all truth. So for us, we have the personal presence of God dwelling within us. All along the way, as we're headed to the promised land, uh, after we've been rescued, God is with us. We have his personal presence with us along the way. We are not left to wander about in the wilderness. God does not rescue us just to drop us and leave us. He, we, we, are, we are safe within his hand, and he is leading and guiding, and there's nothing we can do to, to ever um, jump out of his hand somehow. He is leading and guiding and shepherding, and we have his personal presence along the way by the Holy Spirit. So God is with us along the way. Also along the way, from Exodus 14, 4, he will get glory over our enemies. God will get glory over our enemies. This is um, good news for us. Look at Exodus 14, 4. It says this. This is the Lord speaking. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. The Psalms often repeat this refrain that my enemies will be put to shame. You know, this idea that anybody, any enemy of God and any enemy of the people of God will ultimately be defeated, will ultimately be put to shame. And what this teaches us, God will get glory over our enemies. And this shows us that any, um, all of your struggle in this life, all of your battling sin, all of your resisting temptation, all of your um, uh, standing up for your faith when it is not popular or easy to do, all of the times that you've stepped out in boldness and, uh, and, and tried to talk to somebody about Jesus and maybe got ridiculed or shut down, all of these moments along the way are all going to prove to be worth it. All of the opposition we face, all of the enemies that have come against us because of our faith will ultimately be proven to be not. Because God will get glory over them in the same way that he got glory over Pharaoh. And then what we see ultimately in the end is that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So all of the opposition you face, all the difficulty, all of the pain, all of the the sin and the temptation and resisting the, the ploys of the devil will prove to be worth it when he is cast into hell fully and finally. God will get glory over our enemies. And the last thing we see along the way is this. God will fight for us even as we complain and grumble. God will fight for us even when we complain and grumble. I see this in Exodus 14, verses 12 through 14. This is the the people uh, of Israel speaking. They say this. Is not this what we said to you, Moses, in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, 
which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The people have just been rescued, miraculously led through the Red Sea on dry land. They've just watched um, their enemies get destroyed in the waters of chaos. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in the wilderness, the first little hint of something going wrong, and they say, didn't we tell you that this was going to happen? Wouldn't it be better for us if we were in slavery? Wouldn't it be better if we just went back and served Egypt? Because that seemed better. And the reality is for you and I today in Christ, um, we might be tempted to, to complain and grumble about such things. You know, there's no, there's no promise that when we come to Christ that everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies along the way, right? We know that's not true experientially. And we, like Israel here, we might be tempted to grumble and complain. Now, how foolish we are, because um, the reality is God has worked a miraculous salvation that if we would just remember and be reminded of what Jesus has done for us, it would um, remove all, all of the grumbling and complaining. But we're human. The old self still clings on, and we will grumble and complain. But the, the good news here and the grace that God shows us is that he will fight for us even when we grumble and complain. How often? Do we complain and grumble in this life when we have just experienced the most miraculous salvation ever? Like, oh, what are you doing, God? Why, why have you brought me here? Why am I going through this? You know, um, this, this challenge, this, this issue, what, whatever it might be in your life, we, we might grumble and complain and think, oh, gosh, wouldn't it be easier if I just went back there? You know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been better? And it's not true. Um, you know, like Israel at the Red Sea, you might want to turn back and go back to Egypt. But that would not be the right choice. <laughs> um, that's why Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. You know, don't, don't, don't turn back. Don't look back. Continue, continue on. He, he is with you along the way. And I can't help but read what Moses says. Um, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. I can't help but read that and think this is Moses basically going, just shut up. I mean, look what God has done for you. Look what Jesus has done. Look, look, look with your eyes of faith to the cross. Look at the salvation. Look at how he has saved you from your bondage to slavery, given you life, abundant life now, and eternal life. Just look at, what, look at this salvation. Look what God has done. Don't you think that, that this, this is going to, to work out for you because of what God has done for you? Look, just remember, just, just be quiet. <laughs> the Lord will fight for you, and he will fight for you along the way. No matter what you're going through, no matter what pain and difficulties you might be experiencing today, the Lord will fight for you. So may we um, refrain from the grumbling and complaining uh, but even if you do, may you be reminded today, even if you've been in those moments of like, oh gosh, why am I having to go through this? Remember, the Lord will, will, will fight for you and he will see you through it. He's guiding you along the way to his presence and we can trust him to get us there because he did it with the Exodus and he's gonna do it with us. 
God rescues his people from slavery by his servant and guides them to the promised land. This is the storyline of scripture. This is the story of the Exodus. And this is you and I's story in Christ. And the result of the Exodus, after God saves his people through all of the plagues, leads them out, splits the Red Sea, sees them out. The result of all of this if we looked at chapter 15 of Exodus, is the people sing the praises of God, which is what we get to do now. We get to respond in worship to God for the great, miraculous salvation that he has brought to us. So today, we worship God for what he has done in rescuing us from our slavery to sin by Jesus and sending his spirit to guide us and lead us along the way into his eternal presence. There's more to the Exodus. It is a beautiful story, and it is our story. Would you pray with me? Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org slash connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.